the Health Service System Board meeting for March the 23rd, 2023. It's a follow-on effort from our previously scheduled meeting of March 9th of this year. Would everyone please stand and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Madam Secretary, would you please call the roll? Thank you, President Scott. Roll. Present. Uh, and uh, Vice President Howe is excused. Commissioner Breslin? Here. Commissioner Canning is excused. Commissioner Follinsby? Present. And Commissioner Zvansky? Present. With that, we have quorum. We have a quorum, and I'm going to claim the privilege of the chair by moving agenda item five to be the next item to be considered. And the reasons will become obvious in a moment. I do again remind the uh, commissioners that we have just another week or so before we're due to comply with our filing of our Form 700 and uh, ethics training for the city. So if you haven't completed those, and I'm not looking either to my left or right to find out who has and who has not. But if you haven't, we'd please ask you to do so by the 3rd of April as previously announced. Uh, the reason for the presence report being called at this time is because there has been some newly issued citywide guidance for city policy bodies beginning on the 1st of March. The background is that uh, for nearly three years, special rules necessitated by the COVID-19 public health emergency have governed the meetings of uh, city policy bodies such as uh, the health service system. The governor announced that the statewide emergency declared on March the 4th, uh, 2020, will, uh, it ended uh, on February 28th, 2020. Uh, 23, and beginning March 1st, 2023, the statewide emergency order ended and the mayor's orders regarding public meetings were terminated. Uh, the Office of the City Administrator for City Policy Bodies, and I didn't realize that we had such an entity here in San Francisco, but we do, in consultation with the Mayor's Office of Disability met in February to provide advice on remote public comment procedures and protocols for policy bodies such as the HHS uh, Board. And they advised the following. While not required by state or local public meeting laws, policy bodies are advised to provide additional time-limited remote public comment for members of the public who are not requesting an accommodation under federal ADA laws. This additional time limit allowance facilitates uh, uh, civic participation while considering possible administrative and staffing challenges. The amount of time allowed for uh, remote public comment will be is set by the policy body, in this case the board, and we'll get to 
our application of this in a moment, in advance of any meeting and will be noticed to the pub, uh, on the public agenda. All public policy bodies must allow remote public comment for members of the public who are unable to provide public comment in person due to disability. So with this advice and in consultation with our uh, council, the Health Service Board will do the following. One, offer a hybrid meeting format using the city's universal platform WebEx. That's the current platform. Two, include instructions for remote public comment and written public comment on all agendas and meeting web pages. Three, each agenda item will have at least 30 minutes of total of uh, 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes total of time limited remote public comment. Public comment will conclude after all individuals have spoken and there is no need to wait for thir the 30 minutes to expire before moving on to the next item. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to comment in length unless the board president deems new public comment time limits during the meeting. And that's not a departure from anything that we've done in the past. If we have had <coughs> an item which there is a large amount of public comment, we have in the past uh, limited public comment to a minute or two minutes depending upon the number of people who have uh, asked to speak. Uh, four, in-person public comment will be heard first, followed by remote public comment. And then lastly, number five, remote public comment instructions will be read aloud and displayed at the beginning of the meeting, at the beginning of the meeting, and in brief reminders for each agenda item. If you uh, recall in our prior board meetings, we read through every each time the instructions and so forth and so forth that we won't be doing that uh, for every item but there may be uh, periodic reminders so that the public can comment remotely going forward and i think i uh, thank the board secretary for her participation in the citywide consultation process and also director yant for her leadership uh, in this area as we go forward. And I think that it will inure to our benefit as we conduct the business of the board on behalf of our members. And so with that, <clears throat> I would like to ask, is there any question from the board members about the new guidance that we've been given? Yes, I read those before, but I'm wondering, how do you know if somebody has a disability? You just say, yeah. I have a disability. <coughs> I'm, I don't want to participate today. I, I'll, well, uh, I'll defer to, to the board secretary <coughs> because this was a generic item that was brought up in the deliberations. So please. Uh, Thank you, President Scott. So, Commissioner Breslin, um, if anyone of the public uh, would like to seek uh, accommodations, they would contact myself. Um, that's at um, the health.service.board um, email or call, and they would request that from me. I would be able to give them permission. Or and, and provide the services. So I would send you a medical proof or something. Um, it is something um, that I have certain language that I can ask um, for privacy. 
Um, but if I ever had a question, I would go to the Department of the Disability Services and be able to ask. Yeah, um, I think that's I, a lot of people could just start calling in and say, you know. Yeah, we would follow um, whatever the, dis the Department of Disability Services um, provides, yeah. And Commissioner Breslin, if I could ask you to bring your microphone a little closer. Oh, yeah, sorry. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner uh, Savansky. Um, <clears throat> my other concern is the fact that the health service system has members that are living all over this country, not just in San Francisco. And so <clears throat> um, I don't know how many of them might monitor our meetings, but the remote public comment would be something that would be available to any and all of our members. And so I think while um, there may be some concern with regard to an ADA accommodation, uh, which may or may not be available, or one might not wish to, um, to share that information, that because of the nature of our board and our membership, because um, we actually have members living internationally as well, that we need to maintain that remote public comment just for the sake of our members and not question whether or not um, ADA is the issue, but just allow them access right. based on the membership. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other comments from the commissioners? If not, uh, I now will call for public comment on the president's report. Thank you, President Scott. In the new format. Yes, so I'll be reading um, a fuller script um, so that for the rest of the meeting everyone knows and then those brief reminders Thank you. outlined. So remote public comment is available on SFGov TV and online using WebEx. The Health Service Board welcomes the public participation during the public comment periods. There will be an opportunity for general public comment at the beginning of the meeting and then an opportunity to comment on each item on the agenda. In-person public comment will be first and then virtual public comment. For anyone waiting in person, you're welcome to approach the podium now. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to comment in length unless the board president deems new public comment time limits during the meeting. All public comments are to be made concerning the agenda item that has been presented. A caller may ask questions of the policy body, but there's no obligation to answer or engage in dialogue with the caller. The Health Service Board will hear up to 30 minutes of remote public comment total for each agenda item. Remote public comment from people who have received an accommodation due to a disability will not count towards that 30-minute limit. Members of the public attending the meeting via phone can dial in by, by dialing 415-655-0001. When prompted, ac use access code 2596-520-4153, then press pound. You'll be prompted to enter the webinar password, which is 1145, then press pound. You'll press pound three to be added to the public comment queue, and you'll hear the prompt, you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When you hear this message and it says your line has been unmuted, this is your time to speak. You'll then be muted when your time has expired. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the queue to speak. A raised hand will appear next to your name. And when you are unmuted, the system uh, will unmute you. Once you hear the announcement say welcome, once you hear me say welcome caller, you can begin speaking. When your time has expired, you'll be muted, and please click on the raise hand icon to lower your hand. Members of the public are encouraged to state their name clearly, although you may remain anonymous. I'll give you an audible warning when you have 30 seconds remaining, and when your three minutes have ended, I'll say thank you for your call. You'll be placed back on mute, and I'll unmute the next caller. We want to say thank you to SFGov TV and Media Services for sharing this meeting with the public. We'll begin with any in-person public comment. And no one has approached the podium, so we'll begin our remote public comment. 
Our moderator will let us know if there's anyone in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have two callers on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered public comment queue at this time. I will indicate when there are no more callers in the queue. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to enter the public comment queue. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. We'll now move to item three. Item three is general public comment. And so seeing that we just read our full instructions, just a brief reminder if anyone has joined. So public comment is now open. Instructions are going to be displayed on the screen for those watching on SGOV TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and the virtual public comment second. For those callers on the line, press star three to be added to the queue. For those watching on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. No one has approached the podium, so we'll move to our virtual public comment. And our moderator will let us know if there are any callers in the public comment queue. Board Secretary, we have three callers on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to enter the public comment queue. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. That was the opportunity for any general public comment. And as we go forward, you know that there's an opportunity for comment, public comment, on each of the items that come before this board. We'll now move to uh, item four. Thank you, President Scott. Agenda item number four is approval with possible modifications of the minutes of the meeting set forth below. This is an action item and will be presented by President Scott. Uh, just to be clear as to what we're approving, the attached documents in the published agenda uh, cite the meetings of February the 6th for the Finance and Budget Committee and February 6th for the uh, Governance uh, Committee, the minutes of those two meetings. We passed as a part of the action item for these committees the uh, resulting work efforts, if you will, and recommendations from both of those committees at the February 9th general board meeting. We should have also included that those approvals included the minutes of those respective committees that had met on February the 6th. So we will not be addressing today the minutes of those two committee meetings in that they should have been included in the approval, if you will, at the last meeting. And that is documented in the minutes of February the 9th as to what those actions were of the board. So what we will be approving today is the February 9th regular board meeting minutes as the action item for this, uh, this item. 
So are there any additions, edits, or corrections to the regular board meetings of February the 9th from members of the board? If not, I'm willing to entertain a motion. I move to approve the February 9th uh, Health Service Board regular meeting minutes. Second. Okay, it's been properly moved and seconded that we approve the regular meeting minutes of the board for February the 9th. Are there any questions from the board members? If not, uh, we will open this up for public comment. Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then virtual public comment. For those callers on the line, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll move to our in-person public comment and no one has approached the podium. So we'll move to our virtual public comment and our moderator will let us know if there's anyone in the public comment queue at this time. Moderator, are you seeing any public callers in the public comment queue at this time? Yes, Board Secretary, please let me know if you can hear my voice coming through. Yes, loud and clear. Perfect, thank you. We have three callers on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. I will indicate when there are no more callers in the queue. A reminder to callers on the line, you must stop star three now if you wish to join public comment. We will wait five more seconds and then close public comment. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. And we're now ready to vote. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All those opposed? Aye. Aye. You're opposed? No, no, I'm not opposed. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was just had a roll call vote. No. Well, you can't do that anymore. Do we have to still maintain roll call votes in the hybrid format? I believe so. Okay. So I'd say for this meeting, let's I'm do sorry. that, and I can check. <laughs> Thank you. All right, we will have a roll call vote on this. We're all in new territory, apparently. Go okay. right ahead. So roll call vote, starting with President Scott. Aye. Commissioner Reslin. Aye. Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. And Commissioner Zemanski. Aye. It passes unanimously. Excuse me, but is that a new rule, too, that they have to do a roll call for every item? That is something that we will clarify before our next meeting, but uh, we it, it won't. was um, intended for the hybrid format, and so that's what I'll clarify um, okay. going forward. But maybe you don't have to, huh? Yeah. All right. We'll clarify <laughs> that for the next meeting. For this meeting, we'll be assiduously uh, broad in our guidance, literal in our actions, and have a roll call for each action item. All right. Uh, with that, we'll move to the director's report. Item six. Thank you, President Scott. Agenda item number six, director's report. This is presented by Abby Yant, SFHSS Executive Director. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Abby Yant, Executive Director, San Francisco Health Service System. Um, I can be brief today. The, um, I do, do want to remind everyone that there, we are in a blackout period because um, uh, we are in at negotiations with all of our vendors at this time, um, including our actuary services. The um, 
we continue to work with the um, school district who continues to have challenges with their payroll system. Um, so uh, it will be nice someday to be able to say that we've got that all taken care of. But we're not if I may ask on this, on this item, yes, uh, this has been a, a months-long effort mm -hmm. uh, by all the parties involved, and uh, I, I recognize that you have limited time for your report, but it would be helpful, I think, to get some status report about kind of where this process is. Uh, I consider the school board uh, staff, the school staff and the Unified School District to be a very important component of the system and to have the possibility paycheck by paycheck that people may be missing payments or getting uh, somehow in the meat grinder of the system is very disturbing and this has been uh, at least six months that you have been saying about the same thing so my hope is that we could get an update from either a representative of the school district or those parties that are working on this to see when there might be some resolution I'm, I'm making that as a general request and you'll know that uh, I'll say the uh, relationships dynamic that that will incur and so it's just a point of query um, we can request that. Okay. We're tremendously understaffed on this initiative, and so we're trying to be respectful and at the same time work towards a satisfactory solution to the uh, problem, and it's very complicated. Um, so we are, um, re we do reach out on a pretty regular basis and hear from them when they need our help. All right. Thank you. May I ask, <clears throat> have any members been impacted with regard to benefit access? Do well, we know? That's why we're at the table, because the, they have other problems that are important, but they're not our problems. Right. Uh, when there are problems is when the health benefit is not appropriately administered, and so we get involved to try to determine what, what the issue is and to get it instated in a way that makes sense for the individual. Every case is kind of unique in this. And it's time consuming. <clears throat> yeah, uh, you know, I mean, it's additional work and we're down staff in our member services, but I think that, you know, it's that's not the concern. The concern is, is that they um, continue to uh, optimize the system that they've bought um, and that we stay at the table with them to ensure that the members uh, health benefit gets instated the way, administered the way that it's designed to be administered. Thank you. Can I maybe ask just one brief follow-up? What is the impact on our call, on, our, on terms of our staff, in terms of calls from Unified School District employees? Do you have some sense about the numbers or proportions or something? Is this an ongoing issue or are they all comfortable with the status? Uh, I, if Ray's comfortable, I'll oh, ask yeah, him to come, to come to the mic on that, um, you know, because we did set up a, 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 a service within the phone tree so that they could get to us uh, in a clearer path, um, and the numbers have varied, so I'm not sure where we're today. Yeah. Good afternoon, Ray Gian, Chief Operating Officer. Yes, um, Commissioner. Um, there is a impact to our, our, um, to our unit in member services. I don't have exact numbers, 
Um, but working with the school district, our goal is to address the situations before the members need to call. And so we are trying to do a more systematic approach where we get the school district to bundle the issues to us and um, get them reported so we can work on them before it requires a member inquiry. We have dedicated staff. We have two member services staff that are dedicated to school district issues. A large portion of their workload is related to member issues from the school district. Um, but again, our goal is to minimize the effort on the, uh, on the part of the member. Um, but the issues continue to arise. And so we were just notified um, last week and we had a follow-up call with um, leadership from the school district today uh, where an, uh, due to a reporting issue on the part of the payroll system, um, members who were qualified for um, benefits based upon working 1,040 hours were not correctly um, identified and therefore we have about 75 members that we'll need to onboard as quickly as possible on a retroactive basis, which of course includes, uh, increases the amount of work that is required. In addition, there are also some uh, members that were not identified who are eligible due to um, the ACA, um, and those are probably 35 additional members, and so we'll work on those as well. But again, all these issues are resulting from issues upstream, not related to just right. benefits. Again, these are re related to hours being reported in these cases to the retirement system, which were not caught because the interface file between the school district and the retirement system wasn't working. And so, uh, so these issues need to be traced back and fixed before they even get to you know what is impacting us primarily, which is our interface file between our system and the school district. And so it will be, you mentioned that this is a month long, months long effort. It's gonna be months long before you know we're able to even address kind of our issues related to our interface file between us and them. So they need to tackle those upstream issues first and before they can focus on you know what we're primarily concerned with which is our interface file but that by no means means um, that you know these other upstream issues aren't impacting the members and so we continue to work with them we will continue to work with them and provide them with whatever help they need to work through through these issues and the hopes that you know, once we get you know six months out from now, that hopefully we're able to say we're almost past um, the situation. All right, thank you, uh, sure. Chief Operating Officer, for that comments and for the clarification. And my hope is that we can continue. Uh, the number one that we continue to be as responsive and then as anticipatory as prob as these problems arise as you have been to date and. Uh, on behalf of the board, I want to thank the specialized staff that are working on these issues on behalf of the members. So thank you. Um, thank you for that discussion. Um, moving forward in the director's report, um, in our racial equity, diversity, and cultural celebrations, I do want to um, just acknowledge that uh, it is uh, Women's History Month, International Women's Day, and, and uh, also we had an Employee Appreciation Day ourselves for our unit um, uh, to celebrate uh, our employees and had a, a, a long overdue potluck 
which sounds kind of small, but uh, the socialization that we all, uh, many of us miss throughout the pandemic, it was kind of nice to get together. Um, we do continue uh, to um, uh, carry out the audit plan uh, that we presented uh, here to the board, and we did um, achieve a, a, a rebate uh, from in about $98,000 um, uh, by Blue Shield. Um, and uh, that will be check will be deposited into the into the trust. Um, the um, uh, uh, hiring of our staff, we're continuing to um, we are actually beginning to break through the logjam that we've had in in the hiring process. We did uh, we're successful at HR. We funded through a work order. Uh, additional support from HR to help with the recruitment, many recruitment activities that take place in the hiring process. Um, and so we are starting to fill uh, some of our member services positions, um, which are um, really impacted by the, the staff turnover that we've had recently. And so we're really happy to do that. I was pleased to sign two offer letters yesterday. Uh, it's been a while. Um, so it's really good that we'll continue to um, uh, move along in that regard. There's also a memo in here that um, uh, Jessica, she helped put together with our communications director uh, with the, all of our health plans to try to make sense out of the unwinding of all of the emergency declarations at a federal, state, and local level. And the health plans are uh, telling us what they know today about how things are going to continue to unravel. and. Um, so this is a, 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 a chart in that director's report that describes where we are today. I just want to caution everyone that um, you should always check <laughs> um, so that you're not surprised uh, in, in how things work for you in, in your particular health plan. But in general, uh, things are moving uh, to the health plans to be responsible for the vaccines and testing. Um, and uh, some of these dates are a little soft because there is uh, a stockpile of uh, vaccine and medications at a federal level, and um, they're trying to, you know, make sure all that stuff gets used up. Um, and um, so that's really complicated. I, I wouldn't even try to explain it. Uh, but so that's why things are a little bit vague. Uh, but as those stockpiles get um, used up, then uh, and uh, you know, we're, we are treating COVID more like influenza and, you know, other infectious diseases and uh, we're coming out of the pandemic. And, and um, so that will get clearer as we go forward. So um, I think that's all I have to report at this time, unless there's questions. Are there questions of board members regarding the directors? Any other questions? So. Out of this report, 24 vacancies, has that changed? The vacancy part changed? Have they actually been hired? Or? That was as of, what did I say in my report? Sorry, 17th. The 17th. Um, and so, yes, I mean, these I update these numbers with DHR monthly. Good. Yeah, and, you know, it's it, it gets even more confusing because we're in this overlap period of having our next year's budget reviewed and approved at the mayor's office. So sometimes their count of how many positions we have and our count are different because we have this little thing called attrition 
which is the way that the mayor controls personnel cost. So we are um, in constant communication with the mayor's office and trying to get the people that we need to do the work uh, that HSS has. But it's, it's always a challenging time. And with the budget shortfall that the city is experiencing, it's particularly challenging this year. We haven't seen these kind of shortages in many years. All right. Are there other questions from uh, Commissioner Savansky? Just one quick question. Um, I'm always interested in the EAP report. Um, are we noticing um, <clears throat> some kind of stabilization or diminishing of the number of calls um, that are now coming in uh, since things are changing with the whole COVID? I think, you know, it's, it's too soon to tell. Um, there's a lot impacting the patterns that we've seen and we're learning a lot and we continue to heavily promote uh, mental health services at EAP and with our health plans um, because we know that one of the problems that still exist uh, but ha there was great impact during the pandemic was the stigma that prevented people from getting mental health. So we do hope if anything it stabilizes at a higher level um, so that people, so that we have some assurance that people are getting the help that they need, and then we're continuing to work on other initiatives that will um, help people earlier in their um, mental health with their, with their mental health needs. That's good to hear. Thank you very much. Thank you. Are there other questions from board members regarding the director's report? If not, we'll go to public comment. <clears throat> Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then virtual public comment. For those callers on the line, please, please press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, please click the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll move to our in-person public comment and no one has approached the podium. So we'll move to our remote public comment and our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue. Board Secretary, we have three callers on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join the public comment queue. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. That concludes uh, item six. We'll move to item seven. Agenda item number seven is SFHSS financial report as of January 31st, 2023. This is a discussion item and will be presented by Iftikhar Hussein, SFHSS Chief Financial Officer. Welcome, Chief Financial Officer. How are you this afternoon? Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Can you speak a little louder, please? We had planned a uh, decrease to the trust fund this year uh, due to stabilization built into our rates. So we were planning on a 14 and a half million Russian uh, for this year. Um, we're coming in, uh, we expect to have like a 12 million dollar drop uh, because of two um, unexpected uh, items. One is we had a favorable item of uh, the seller settlement 
of uh, 14.7 uh, million that helped the trust fund. But we are also experiencing very high claims on um, the, uh, the uh, flex-funded plans on our Blue Shield medical plan. And we are working with Blue Shield to kind of understand that because that claims experience comes into play in setting rates for the following year. Um, um, so, so more work, uh, more to come um, on, on that as we go into the rates and benefits calendar uh, for, um, uh, for 2024. The um, uh, pharmacy rebates are on track, uh, 14.7 million. It's really, um, um, really good, very consistent from year to year. Um, and uh, interest were conservatively expected about 800, probably would be a little higher than that because of the higher interest rates this year. Um, sustainability fund, uh, we expect to end the year at about 2.7 million, still very healthy. And on the general fund, we are running ahead of plan. Our costs are lower uh, because of the vacancies that we've just discussed. Um, happy to answer any questions. Are there questions from any of the commissioners? If not, we'll have public comment on this item. Thank you, President Scott. Uh, public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then virtual public comment. For those callers on the line, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll move to our in-person public comment and no one has approached the podium. We'll move to our virtual public comment and our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Moderate Board Secretary, we have three callers on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. For callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join the public comment queue. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Uh, thank you. We're now moving to the rates and benefits portion of our agenda. Uh, I just remind everyone that historically we used to have a standing committee of, on rates and benefits uh, that was a subset of the board as, uh, as, as our finance and budget committee and governance. We changed that about six years ago uh, after a review of the fact that we were almost redundant in this meeting of what had been done in the prior meeting, and it's, I think, added a lot of sanity to the process. So uh, given that, we are now ready to take up item number eight. Thank you, President Scott. Agenda item number eight is the presentation on the 2023 rates and benefits calendar for the plan year 2024. This is a discussion item and will be presented by Abby Ant, SFHSS Executive Director. Good afternoon again, Commissioners. Abby Yant, uh, Executive Director, SFHSS. Um, you have in your materials this, the rates and benefits calendar for plan year 2024, and the only change reflects the um, March 9th meeting ca cancellation in today's meeting. Um, otherwise, everything is the same. And so um, I recommend that we, I guess, is this an action item? Do we have to approve it? This is a discussion item. It's a discussion item. So that's for your information then. All right. Thank you. Are there any other questions about the upcoming rates and benefits calendar? 
board members not. Uh, we'll now go to public comment on that item, number eight. Thank you, President. Do you need a motion to Do we need, Yeah, it's just going to No. Okay. This is a discussion it's item. Discussion item. Discussion item. Okay. It's a discussion item. Uh, we've had continuing discussions about the rates and benefits calendar. So. Public please. comment. Yes. So public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote public comment. For those callers on the phone, please dial star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the, web, the meeting on WebEx, click on the raised hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll move to our in-person public comment and no one has approached the podium. We'll move to our remote public comment and our moderator will let us know of any public callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have three callers on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this agenda item. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. That will conclude consideration of item eight. We'll now move to item nine. Agenda item number nine is review and approve 10 county survey results for plan year 2024. This is an action item and will be presented by Iftikhar Hussein, SFHSS, Chief Financial Officer. Um, getting logistics organized. So the uh, so in your package, a detailed uh, report. I'll, I'll uh, point out some highlights. Uh, we look at so what so the outcome of the survey is a county contribution for the ten largest counties in California. Uh, we it does show the report does show the premium as well as the county contribution for a single uh, coverage um, uh, that they offer to their uh, employees. And um, we actually, so one of the things we do is look uh, at the um, employer contribution, not the premium. And also we project the results forward to be comparable to the rate year that we are looking at. Uh, so the net result is an increase of about 3.2%, I believe, right? 3.21% uh, in the um, calculated numbers for the um, uh, 10 county survey result. Uh, happy to answer any questions on the report. Just to be clear, you're recommending a 3.1% increase that would move the dollar amount to $805.85 monthly? Uh, correct. It's 3.21. 2.1%, excuse me. All right. I move that we approve the 10 county survey results for plan year 2024. All right, it's been moved and seconded that we approve uh, the recommendation to, uh, of the result of the 10 county survey under the city charter provision for uh, the 24 plan year. Are there comments or questions? 
Uh, yes, Commissioner Fallsley. I had one question about San Diego. I think uh, San Diego County. Mm -hmm. there, they had a pretty significant drop in 2024 of 8.19%. It looked to me that it was one health plan um, that dropped out or basically I'm confused on how they calculate this. Is this weighted based on the number of enrollees in each of the plans that each county offers? Or how do they calculate these averages or percentages or whatever? Because it 8.1%, 9% drop was quite outstanding compared to every other county. So the way the, the formula works is is the um, it's a simple average of the plans offered. So the average. It's an average, yeah, and because it's based on public data, we don't really have enrollment. The enrollment by a plan is not publicly available. Um, so the, yeah, the formula is a simple average of the offered plans. And in San Diego County, so anytime a, they had some high-cost plans that got dropped, which you would expect, and actually if a new plan was added, then we would count that in the simple average as well. So it kind of works both ways and evens out. So it's an average and not a weighted average. It's not a weighted average because we do not have yeah. enrollment information. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And also we're limited in terms of how comparable the plan designs are, if I'm not mistaken. You don't correct. have insight correct into well. how these plans would line up against the plan benefit provisions that we're providing, for instance. Yeah, so, so, so the premiums and the contribution could change for two reasons, a premium change or a plan design change. Right. So I think that we need to just make that footnote publicly that this is an average of numbers. Mm -hmm. It isn't looking at plan details or the other kinds of policy issues that may uh, drive decisions at this board level. It is really a numerical calculation. Yeah, and that also would bring a lot of judgment into the calculation. Yeah. So, so the in intent here is to keep it very objective. And it's all always the way it's been done as far as yes. I... Yes, yes, it's always been done that way, yes, but nothing I, new. I'm just highlighting what, the, what this does present and what, it, what limits there are around the data. Okay. I guess I was just, sorry, Commissioner Fallins, I was just was struck, I don't remember, I, I, you know, I've been on the board for seven, eight years, and I know this is the way it's always been done. I just was struck, again, with San Diego, you know, county, that one of the weighted, one of the plans was a drop of 100%, and one was a drop of 42.2%. So that really, not weighted, that really changes that number. And then, of course, it probably sort of gets washed out in the 10 counties. I would think. I would think that the impact on the $805 you recommended is probably quite small. But just note this, that, um, that it is sort of a, a limited <laughs> uh, number in that regard. Yeah, so the, the way it's displayed is if a plan goes away, it shows a minus 100. Yeah. But it's, it, it actually is an average. So when you take the average of all offered plans, right. um, so the, the minus 100 doesn't really kick in other than that element that that plan is not there for that year but I, I i see i see your point so it is a it is a fairly um straightforward mathematical calculation but again the power of a 10 county weight you know average is really to to sort of minimize the impact of one sort of county's multiple uh, more radical changes in plans right. that might actually affect at least their contribution that year because in the past their contribution was sort of in line with everyone else's mm -hmm. Well, Santa Clara County has definitely always helped us out. That's always been the highest county. Yeah, it is the highest. Yeah. I, in fact, I remember having a friend that lived there, and they had very good benefits. I used to work for that county. And, and they're paying for them. Yeah. That's right. 
Yeah, yeah. Commissioner Zanetsky. Clarify, um, did you say that <clears throat> this is based on a single cover, a single? Um, yeah, so all the numbers shown are for, we had to pick a coverage type. Right. So, so in the uh, charter in the formula, it says uh, single employee rates are used. So it is a single employee rate. Great, thank you. All right, are there other questions or comments from the commissioners on this item? If not, I'd like to entertain a motion for its adoption, the we've had, which so we've had. Already uh, made. And is there any public comment? We can move to public comment. So public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then virtual public comment. For those callers on the line, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. No one has approached the podium, so we'll move to our remote public comment, and our moderator will let us know if there are any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have three callers on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. We're now ready to vote by roll call. Roll call vote starting with President Scott. Aye. Commissioner Breslin. Aye. Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. And Commissioner Zavansky. Aye. It passes unanimously. We've adopted the uh, 10 county survey results for plan year 2024. We're now ready to move to uh, item 10. Agenda item number 10, review Blue Shield of California flex funded non-Medicare HMO plans, 2022 claims and utilization experience, and approve the use of the one-third use of the stabilization reserve surplus as of December 31st, 2022. This is an action item and will be presented by Mike Clark with AON. Good afternoon, Michael, and welcome. Thank you. Good afternoon, commissioners. Mike Clark from AON. Uh, here to present uh, on 2022 claim and utilization experience for the um, Blue Shield flex funded non-Medicare HMO plans and ask for your approval uh, for use of one third of the stabilization reserve um, for uh, 2024 rating. So the agenda, um, you'll see what we'll cover. I know that uh, Chief Financial Officer Hussein has talked uh, during today's uh, finance update as well as prior board meetings. Uh, I'll go into more detail under what's happening in the Blue Shield HMO uh, experience for 2022, uh, key cost and utilization drivers leading to the uh, fund use recommendation. And at the end of my presentation, uh, what I'll ask is your approval of use of one third of what's now a deficit in the stabilization reserve uh, of 3,359,000, uh, which is one third of the total uh, December 31st, 2022 calculated uh, stabilization deficit balance of 10,077,000 to be applied towards buy-up of rating for the Blue Shield HMO as well as the UHC retiree split family EPO plans 
uh, for 2024, which would leave 6,718,000 uh, remaining deficit carry forward for 2025. So first from a um, high level, uh, just talking through the experience on the plan, uh, just a reminder, there are two plans in place, Access Plus and TRIO. Uh, please keep in mind that the UHC uh, split family live kind of companion plans to this were introduced January 1, 2023. So just wanted to be clear that this truly does cover even those split family lives that were in Access Plus and TRIO uh, for 2022. So just to be clear on that. Um, the plans have been available for many years, including TRIO that was first available in 2018. Um, when we look at the high level information, again, I'll, I'll review more detail on cost and utilization here shortly. Uh, total plan expense uh, before considering changes in contingency reserves increased 13% on a per member, I'm sorry, per employee and retiree per month basis or PEPM. Uh, this came after a 9% increase from 2020 to 2021. I will say the 9% increase was largely due to the lower 2020 uh, because of medical claim suppression due to the pandemic. Uh, what's driving this 13% increase is largely a substantial increase in large claim uh, expense that occurred in the plan for 2022. And just as a reminder, this would be even a larger percentage had not the RFP um, happened in the fall of 2020, uh, leading to the uh, recommendation and the uh, passage of the results of the RFP by this board in February 2021 because it resulted in substantial reduction in the administrative service fees for these plans, as well as a shift from partial rebate sharing to full rebate sharing for prescription drugs uh, that started in 2022. And you'll see the benefit of those two items as you look at those line item details in this report. Uh, this also coincided with total premiums uh, collected increasing by 1% on a PEPM basis uh, from 2021 levels into 2022. That in part reflected the benefits that were uh, delivered through the RFP process, which means that overall expenses were higher than premiums collected by 8.6%. Again, largely driven, as you'll see in this report, uh, by a substantial increase in large claims. Uh, the next page shows both for medical and prescription drugs uh, what the actual cost change was going from 2020 to 2021, again, primarily for medical. Uh, driven by a more suppressed 2020 claim level. Um, you can see the difference in the percentages for medical between uh, before large claim pooling reimbursements and after large claim pooling reimbursements. Um, that will clearly show the impact that a much higher level of claims over a million that occurred in 2022 um, had on plan experience. For a prescription drug, uh, the large influence of the increased trend uh, was primarily growth in specialty medication spend, um, happened with both price and utilization. On the next page, you'll see the benefit of the RFP play through in the 22% reduction on a per employee basis in the administrative service fees. And again, that was all driven by the RFP as well as a 5% increase in the large claim pooling fee uh, that occurred into 2022. Uh, capitation 
which are fixed costs for certain physician-delivered uh, medical services, increased at a typical trend rate, um, 6%. And then as we reviewed with you in January, uh, we had reserve increases for both the incurred not reported and contingency uh, for this plan into 2022. Uh, the other element here is that headcount declined overall by 4.4% uh, between 21 and, and 22. Um, driven in some part with plan migration. There's usually a little bit of plan migration that happens every year. I think a larger element of this was just the you know, general number of total um, eligible lives uh, reducing for the health plans from 2021 to 2022. So there's a lot of detail on the next couple of slides. Uh, total dollars shown on uh, uh, this total dollar actual basis slide. Uh, the per employee per month basis, you know, shows a clear indication, especially when you look at the right-hand column, you know, what the percentage change in each element was from 21 to 22. You know, you'll see the large reduction in administrative fees, again, largely driven by the administrative cost uh, benefit from the RFP, uh, but offset by the medical claim increase, where a lot of that was large claims. Um, you know, the benefit of the pharmacy rebates, the rebates grew at a higher percentage uh, than the claims, but the claims escalating the way they are uh, in large part due to specialty uh, medication influence. And then the next page, uh, we segment the data into the active employee and early retiree category. You know, in particular, you'll see large claim pooling in total. So this was the amount over 1 million for any individual that exceeded 1 million. And it turned out there were 17 individuals uh, that exceeded $1 million in claims uh, during 2022. I would say prior years tend to average somewhere in the neighborhood of five to eight individuals. So there were many more, um, you know, seven-figure claimants, and some of those seven-figure claimants got into the three million, four million, even higher range. Um, so there was just a lot of pressure on large claims. So that large claim pooling amount, uh, 21.6 million, was over twice as high as it's ever been. Um, the next highest in any one year was a little over nine million in 2019. So that just gives you a sense of the pressure that large claims put on the plan. You know, obviously good you had the large claim pooling in place uh, for this, because uh, those dollars reimbursed by uh, Blue Shield. But also, you're, you know, the plan is still responsible for that first million on each of these. And there were just many more of them uh, in this past year uh, than in prior years. So some of those key drivers, if, if we take it down on the next slide to 500,000 and just look at the number of members who even exceeded half a million um, in claims, there were 49 in total, uh, 49 covered lives, where there was 28 in 2021. Um, so again, you can see the higher pressure. Those 49 individuals that exceeded 500,000 um, accounted for almost 60 million uh, in spend in the plan. Now again, 21.7 million uh, was reimbursed, but that compares to 4.3 million of reimbursement uh, the year before. The categories, you know, if you look at just the, the typical diagnostic categories that make up the large claimants, uh, those over 500,000, didn't change a whole lot uh, from last year. It's primarily uh, childbirth, 
um, you know, expensive newborns, uh, cancer and cardiovascular, um, and also septicemia uh, was a large claim contributor for, for several individuals in 2022. You know, something else that we uh, spend time with Blue Shield looking at is what's happening to the overall health of the population. And I know that uh, Brent Coleridge will talk uh, next meeting, you know, through risk scores and have that information on the impact of 2022 experience playing through in the risk scores. You know, what Blue Shield tracks is the incidence of individuals um, who have a given chronic condition. And this is insightful because it really tracks a three-year period of incidents, you know, by major chronic condition. So starting with, you know, pre-pandemic, although that very left column, October 2019 through September 2020, is certainly going to capture some pandemic-related experience. But you can see how um, changes in these categories and the, you know, what this represents is incidents per thousand covered lives. So for instance, at the top, you can see that roughly a quarter of the population in the Blue Shield plans is diagnosed with, you know, some form of musculoskeletal condition. The growth in the most recent 12 months of data that Blue Shield has available compared to the prior uh, period for musculoskeletal, 12% more uh, population uh, exhibiting a musculoskeletal condition, 17.5% um, more uh, with a mental health uh, diagnosis. The cancer diagnosis, a 16% growth, 17% uh, growth in cardiovascular uh, incidence per thousand lives, and a 14.5% growth in vascular. So what we're seeing could be a function of people returning to preventive care, perhaps new diagnosis, but also perhaps just a function of how you know health is progressing for individuals, um, you know, now that we're a couple years out from the start of the pandemic. Um, the next page are some key indicators on utilization of certain preventive um, categories, including general preventive screenings at the very bottom of the page, um, as well as specific cancer screenings. You know, the good news is we're seeing increases for this population. <laughs> in the most recent 12 months available for preventive screenings uh, relative to the prior, but you can also see, and especially telling, you know, that first column, which represents, you know, about half of that period before the pandemic started, uh, generally, you know, much higher rates of screening uh, that occurred versus what was observed in the Blue Shield data uh, for the most recent 12 months you know, including preventive screenings. We've seen some bounce back there, but not to the level uh, that had existed pre-pandemic. You know, some good news is members have started to embrace uh, preventive, uh, I'm sorry, mental health service delivery in uh, virtual settings. About 80% of total services are delivered through uh, Blue Shield's partner, um, Magellan, and their providers, but about half overall of mental health visits, and you can see the progression over time here and how they varied in terms of total utilization, but about half of mental health visits um, being processed through Blue Shield for claims right now are happening in a virtual environment. So virtual is definitely contributing to uh, getting uh, your members support uh, for mental health needs. 
and then pivoting to prescription drugs, uh, claims per covered life uh, had 11% increase in the most recent uh, detailed observed period uh, versus the prior. And it was fairly evenly split uh, between cost per script and utilization increasing. But no surprise and very consistent with what we see um, with other client data nationally, almost half of total spend is driven by specialty medications. And it's just an emerging you know, cost concern that we're gonna continue to see as drug manufacturers continue to focus on um, expansion of available medications uh, to meet member needs. Drug classes that were driving some of the highest trends included uh, dermatological drugs, uh, cancer drugs, and endocrine and metabolic medications. So with that, I'll pivot into uh, the stabilization reserves. Uh, it's one of three reserves for the self-funded flex-funded plans, as you see. Uh, we addressed uh, with you the IBNR and contingency reserves back in January, and today's focus uh, with this presentation and the two that will follow is stabilization. And this is based on the Health Service Board's uh, self-funded plan stabilization policy that requires an annual determination of the financial gain or loss over the calendar year uh, for each self-funded flex-funded plan. And then the adjustments that we make based on that experience um, that get added to the existing stabilization balance and per policy are amortized over three years. Uh, just some history here for most of the time uh, since the Blue Shield HMO became flex funded in 2013, uh, there has been a deficit position, but it did change to a surplus as of December 31st, 2019 due to the favorable claim experience and plan for 2020 and 2021. Uh, COVID suppression certainly influenced that. So there was a buy down in the 2023 rates uh, of almost 6.6 .6 million and that results in a um, surplus carry forward of 13.2 million that gets applied starting uh, this year and forward. Now with that surplus position, it's helping to cushion, I guess, the stabilization deficit uh, recommended action for 2024, um, given the uh, fairly sizable difference between the plan experience that actually occurred versus what was expected. And so that flips the surplus to deficit as of December 31st, 2022 uh, to an amount of 10 million uh, 077. And that figure then produces a one third amortization, uh, which is calculated to 3,359,000. Uh, that is the recommended uh, buy up figure it represents about 1% uh, of the early estimated 2024 Blue Shield HMO plan rates. Uh, which we'll review uh, for, with you for recommendations in the May 11th, 2023 board meeting. You know, detailed calculations are shown on the next page, uh, comparing actual to expected, where again, uh, purely some significant deviation in the, um, in the actual experience due to the claim, uh, you know, increase that we just discussed, which then takes us to the recommendation page. We're on the top of the page, you see the progression of the stabilization uh, evolving from surplus to deficit uh, for the recommendation for 2024 rating. So in summary, uh, today's recommendation is in congruence with the stabilization fund policy to approve the use of one third 
of the December 31st, 2022 Stabilization Reserve Deficit were 3,359,000, which is one third of 10,077,000 to be applied towards buy-up of rates across all rating tiers for the Blue Shield HMO and UHC EPO split family plans for the plan year 2024 and apply proportionally between active employees and early retirees. President Scott. You've heard the presentation. Are there questions? I have board. a comment. I mean, the yes. prescription drug thing, the cost of it just always... Could you speak? Um, the prescription drug uh, always just amazes me, the high cost. Uh, and I just always wonder, if, is, aren't there more classes or are there something we could do to educate people, you know, just try to stay away from drugs when they don't have to take <laughs> them sometimes? And, you know, it's just, it's really out of control. But the, I think that you said the largest cost increase was in the specialty drug area. That's correct. And that would apply to more advanced disease states, I presume, than sort of the, what I would call normative uh, drug intake. <coughs> it's the specialty drugs that are driving the cost. Actually, I'd like <coughs> to sort of um, blend with that and ask the amount of drug advertising for specialty drugs in the media is overwhelming. <clears throat> I find it just mind-blowing. Yeah. And I'm always trying to figure out, you know, what disease and what, reading all the little notes at the bottom of the, of the uh, screen. Would you, um, in, in the findings for this, do you think that all of that advertising is what's impacting the specialty drugs and the increase in the requests for those, and maybe the, as a result, the prescriptions? Do you think that's relevant? Yeah, I, I mean, I can only speculate, but I think the advertising certainly brings brand awareness to individuals then when they go have a physician visit and perhaps talk through alternatives. I think what we're generally seeing and what we have seen over the past many years is a lot of research and development influence on the part of pharmacy manufacturers to bring updated therapies to the market. There's a lot of conversation right now, and I, if I recall, I can't remember the date, but I know that our Aon pharmacist, Elmaz Dawit, um, talked through with you some of the development with gene and cellular therapies um, that are hitting the market. And there are you know, some developments. Biosimilars is certainly something we're keeping an eye on. Um, Humira is a drug that's in the process of coming off patent uh, where we will expect to see lower cost biosimilars for Humira coming on the market soon, although they're, you know, it kind of has to run its course through um, you know, the Humira manufacturer's legal attempts to you know, keep their <laughs> revenue up. But um, it's, so I guess long story short, again, most of your members don't require these drugs. You know, 1% of your members do in this plan. And it, it just because of the cost of these medications, it's almost half of the plan cost. If I could, As if, if Commissioner be. Uh, yeah, sorry, thank you, uh, Commissioner Fonsley. If I could just comment as well, I mean, I, I think we've had you've, you've, we've had good educational experiences regarding medication costs and especially drugs, and this is a big deal. I'm assuming that the capping of insulin 
at $35 will have zero effect on this budget if this had been in effect last year or the year before. And so we do need to focus on the real issue and not necessarily as important as the capping of insulin is. I would just point out that this, this data is truly alarming to me um, because if it is, if it's a tsunami effect of people who had delayed diagnoses, and maybe that's a, that is uh, to some extent manifested by the drop in hypertension rates in the BSC plans, but everything else went way up. And there would be a tsunami effect where everyone was presenting late, later, and even childbirth in terms of, you know, a lot of, of women um, getting their prenatal care have these other conditions, whether it's um, a BMI that's too high or, or diabetes or hypertension or whatever. So if this is a tsunami effect, then this is maybe less, less alarming because the tsunami will pass and then we'll get back to sort of a baseline. If, in fact, it's a rapid increase in the deterioration of our population, uh, which I sort of doubt is a major effect, then that is very concerning because these numbers, if they were to continue because of that issue alone, would be terrible. So I'm sort of assuming that this is a tsunami effect of delayed diagnosis as much as I think the board attempted to encourage our members to as much as they could continue their screening and follow-up. Um, I guess the only maybe hint to this is how many of these uh, high-cost, you know, over a million dollar claimants were newly diagnosed or were these people who in fact had, you know, diseases whose disease progressed for whatever reason and then they moved into a high-cost specialty drug. Do we have any sense of analysis that Blue Shield is doing or Ian is doing that we could help with in this issues? Because this is an alarming, to me this is a very alarming uh, trend if it is a trend. Yeah, we did look at the, so what Blue Shield will provide is just high level diagnosis. Right. And again, I can't stress enough how de-identified this data is. So right. please, I hope everybody understands that. But they are able to provide like a primary high level diagnostic category as well as to help us understand how much of a given large claimant spend is medical versus pharmacy. So right off the bat, only one of the 17 that went over um, that level was more pharmacy driven. Um, most were medical. I would also say in looking at the data, at least half were, let's say, you know, new claimants. Now some being live born, some being those who maybe developed a, you know, unusual or rare uh, condition. So, uh, but I think as you then go downstream from there and look at six-figure claimants, yes, you, st you see more influence there for chronic conditions like, let's say, diabetes emerging into kidney disease, um, cardiovascular issues creating, you know, high-cost surgical needs or things of that nature. So, and, the, you know, again, the one point page I would point you to is that page that shows the change, you know, over this three-year period of percentage of the population or, or number per thousand lives uh, with particular major chronic conditions and seeing as many double-digit increases in those uh, incidence numbers as we did. I mean, that does cause concern. It's good to see individuals returning back to preventive care. Uh, good to see that three of those four cancer screening categories uh, incidents increased at a double digit percentage uh, going into the most recent measured 12 month period. You know, it just has to be an ongoing effort to try to help people understand their health risks early, 
you know, work with their practitioners early to address those health needs before they become, you know, major facility costs. Are there other questions from board members? I'm willing to accept a motion at this time regarding the recommendation. This is an action item. I move that uh, approves Boost Shield of California Flex funded non Medicare HMO plans, 2022 claims, and utilization experience, and approve the use of one third of the stabilization reserve surplus as of December 31st, 2022. Second. It's been properly moved and seconded that we. Uh, President Scott, can I ask? Yes. Um, just with all due respect, Commissioner Resolin said surplus, it's actually a deficit. It's oh. a deficit. Correct. Oh. Right, not a surplus. But it's listed in our agenda as a surplus. I'm reading it off the agenda. Oh, apologies. Right. Okay, yeah. my apologies then with so, the agenda being inaccurate. So that, it okay. is use of deficit. a deficit. Yes, it should be deficit. So my, my apologies for that. Word. It's uh, incorrect in the agenda listing. Oh. But follow the, <laughs> uh, and if you could put up the last page of the recommendation again so that we're very clear. It's in bold. Yeah, deficit. Yeah, so okay. my apologies about no, the agenda no, no problem, expression. No problem. None, none at all. Thank you. But just so that we're clear, uh, Commissioner President is moving the acceptance of this recommendation, and it's been seconded by Commissioner Savansky. Is there any dis further discussion or comments from the board? If not, we will have public comment. Thank you, President Scott. I'll be displaying our instructions. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote public comment. For those callers listening on the phone, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll move to our in-person public comment and no one has approached the podium. We'll move to our remote public comment, and our moderator will let us know if there are any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have three callers on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join the public comment queue. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. We are now closed on comment regarding this item and are now ready to vote by roll call. Roll call vote starting with President Scott. Aye. Commissioner Breslin. Aye. Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. Commissioner Zvansky. Aye. It is passed unanimously <coughs> and at this time, the head can only comprehend what the end will endure. We're going to take a break for 10 minutes. It's 25. We'll come back at 2, uh, 2.25, excuse me, and we'll come back at uh, 2.30.
five. President Scott, I, the clock may be off um, in the room. All right. I'm so, so, but well, we'll take a 10-minute okay. break from this time. Okay. Thank you. It's 10.20. It's 2.20, according to my. Okay. Uh, so we'll come back at 2.30. Yeah. The clock in the SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
We're now reconvening from our recess, and I'd like to have a roll call. Thank you, President Scott. Roll call starting with President Scott. Present. Commissioner Breslin. Here. Commissioner Follinsby. Present. And Commissioner Zavansky. Present. We have a quorum, and we'll now move to item number 11. 11. Agenda item number 11 is Health Net Canopy Care Flex Funded Non-Medicare HMO Plan 2022 Claims and Utilization Experience and approve the use of the one-third of the Stabilization Reserve Surplus as of December 31st, 2023. This is an action item and will be presented by Mike Clark with AON. Mike Clark, AON, uh, presenting on the HealthNet uh, 2022 experience, the first year the plan offered uh, through SFHSS, as well as the uh, recommended uh, rate stabilization action. So to summarize, on page three, in congruence with the Stabilization Fund policy, I'll recommend today the approval of the use of one-third of the December 31st, 2022 Stabilization Reserve Surplus, uh, which is 118,000, or one-third of the total, uh, 353,000, to be applied towards a buy-down of rates across all rating tiers for the Health Net Canopy Care HMO in 2024 to apply proportionally between active employees and early retirees. Uh, this will leave a remaining surplus carry forward for 2025 of 235000 So the experience we can present on HealthNet is somewhat limited uh, just due to the you know, relatively uh, low enrollment in the plan, although it did grow uh, substantially through the course of the year. Um, we do not show active and retiree population separately given the um, small size of the retiree population. Um, and again, this was the first year of the the plan offering. Uh, what we can show is just the month-by-month -month, um, experience detail where you can see the vast majority of the um, health plan cost is capitation. So with HealthNet, almost all of medical services uh, fall under capitation. So not only physician expense, but facil facility expense. Uh, medical claims primarily capture um, out-of-area experience and a few uh, other selected services. Uh, pharmacy claims are self-funded, uh, so you can see those pharmacy claim line items, um, as well as uh, separate costs for mental health and chiropractic services. Um, you'll see that in this exhibit. And overall, the incurred loss ratio was favorable, 89.4% um, for the plan in 2022. You know, the other thing that you'll observe is the steady increase in enrollment. Uh, from the very start in January through December, uh, totaled about a 40% increase in plan enrollment from January through December. Um, you know, with the expectations from HealthNet's financial proposal uh, relative to then what transpired for 2023 rating, uh, you know, there was an overall rate reduction primarily attributable to the adjustment in capitation. So if you recall that uh, from our May 2022 meeting last year, so it didn't surprise me uh, that the loss ratio was favorable for this plan uh, in the first year, given the adjustment on capitation uh, that incurred for rating into 2023. And again, that total enrollment um, in Health Net Canopy Care grew by 40% uh, from January through December. So the influence that has on the rate stabilization uh, recommendation, you know, going past page nine, uh, you know, going into page 10, uh, we are recommending the usual application per policy of one-third of the uh, newly emerging surplus for this plan, 
uh, given that 2022 was the first year, this is the initial calculation uh, for rate stabilization reserve for the health net canopy HMO. So you see the experience, um, how it plays out on page 11 for the plan, um, you know, relative to uh, the contributions. Uh, there was an increase in the contingency reserve, um, which, you know, somewhat offsets the uh, surplus to create the carry forward uh, total uh, stabilization surplus balance of 353,000 as of the end of 2022. And so you'll see that one third of that uh, becomes our recommendation. So in summary, today's recommendation in congruence with the stabilization fund policy to approve the use of one third of the December 31st, 2022 stabilization reserve surplus or 118,000, uh, which is one third of 353,000 be applied towards the buy down of rates across all rating tiers for the health net canopy care HMO plan for plan year 2024 and apply proportionally between active employees and early retirees. President Scott. Are there questions regarding the presentation? If not, I'm ready to entertain a motion. I move that we accept AN's recommendation to um, approve the use of one-third of the December 31st, 2022 Stabilization Reserve surplus or $118,000 be applied towards a buy-down of the rates across all rating tiers for the Health Net Canopy Care HMO plan for the plan year 2024 uh, to be applied pro uh, proportionally between active employees and early retirees. Second. And there is a second. It's been properly moved and accept, uh, uh, seconded that we accept the recommendation as described. Are there any questions from board members? If not, we'll open this up for public comment. Thank you, President Scott. Uh, public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote public comment. For those listening on the phone, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll start with our in-person public comment, and no one has approached the podium. We'll move to our remote public comment, and our moderator will let us know if there are any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have three callers on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to enter the queue for public comment. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. This item will now be put to a voice vote. Our roll call vote will be starting with President Scott. Aye. Commissioner Breslin. Aye. Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. And Commissioner Zemanski. Aye. The motion carries unanimously. We'll now move to item number 12. Agenda item number 12, review Delta Dental of California, Delta Dental, self-funded active employee PPO plan 2022 claims and utilization experience, and approve one-time suspension of the stabilization policy, and approve the use of one half of the stabilization reserve surplus as of December 31st, 2022. This is an action item and will be presented by Mike Clark with AM. 
Um, Mike Clark, Aon. Um, so you'll see today's recommended approval actions as just read by uh, Board Secretary Lopez on uh, the first page. And I'll go through uh, the discussion of what's transpired from an experience standpoint in the Delta Dental Active Employee PPO plan for 2022 that leads to this recommendation. Uh, one reminder at the bottom of the initial page is today's dental presentation recommendations are for the active employee uh, PPO plan, 2024 retiree dental plan renewals, and the 2022 experience information for the retiree PPO um, will be presented at the Health Service Board next month. Uh, general background, uh, again, policy is typically an amortization over a three-year period. Uh, with the continued favorable experience in this plan, we're once again asking for a uh, change to that, the suspension of the stabilization policy, an application of one half of the um, surplus. Uh, just a reminder that all other dental plans uh, besides the active PPO are fully insured. So this is the only dental plan where the stabilization policy applies. The active employee dental PPO plan experience ended favorably again in 2022, um, as it has in uh, each of the last couple of prior years. And that's why it's recommended that uh, a higher level of rate stabilization be applied towards buy down in 2024 uh, relative to the per policy one third allocation as a fiscally responsible approach uh, to reduce the stabilization balance. And the recommendation today is to apply one half of the available stabilization reserve or 5,557,000 uh, towards the buy down of rates for 2024. Uh, that preserves a stabilization carry forward uh, for 2025 and beyond of 5,556,000. You know, from a loss ratio standpoint, uh, 2022 rates actually had a much larger buy down because of how favorable 2020 uh, plan experience was. And so that's why you see a dental loss ratio in 2022 of 120% because uh, we actually applied two thirds of the stabilization spend down in 2022 rating because 2020 plan experience was so suppressed uh, due to the pandemic. Still, it didn't necessarily change uh, the line of the claim and expense uh, you know, trend. Uh, we've generally seen, except for that pandemic year of 2020, an average per employee per month claim and fee cost, uh, right around $120. Uh, and that continued uh, for 2022. You know, part of the reason, unfortunately, is we continue to see less utilization of this plan than ideally we'd like to see. Um, in typical years, only about one out of every three uh, covered lives don't have a dental cleaning. So in other words, you know, of three total covered lives, two would have a dental cleaning, but one would not. And that continued in both 2021 and 2022. And in fact, there was a slightly higher percentage of individuals that did not have a dental cleaning in 2022, 35.5% uh, versus 2021 at 34.6%. Um, you know, about three fourths of the services delivered in the plan are considered diagnostic and preventive in nature, like cleanings and x rays. Um, and then you see the rest of the proportion um, across the basic categories and the major categories 
as well as the orthodontic utilization. We do have detailed uh, claim and headcount data uh, for 2022 in the appendix uh, for your reference. You know, we talk periodically in, in Delta Dental as well uh, when they present to you about the SmileWay Wellness Program. Uh, good news is the utilization is increasing and we feel that's largely attributable to the um, Kaiser file feed integration that's now in place. So it's helped to more than double uh, the enrolled membership in the SmileWay program uh, for the active employee uh, PPO population as you see the statistics on this page. So that's good news that more of the members are being identified uh, to have the enhanced benefits that come uh, with the SmileWay program uh, through identification of certain chronic conditions uh, that merit the identification for it. Um, and just a reminder on page eight, you know, three different benefit levels for the plan, um, certainly in, encouraging individuals to use uh, PPO dentists, but also recognizing uh, that many dentists here in the Bay Area are premier only. Um, and that is promoted through the 100% benefit that is also available uh, for cleanings and exams and x-rays uh, through Premier Dentists in this program. So I'll skip ahead a little bit um, to, just to talk through, you know, what we're observing in the um, kind of the utilization across uh, the network type. So if you look at page 10, uh, Delta Dental uh, network utilization, um, a slight increase in the percentage from 2021 to 2022, um, utilizing PPO network dentists, you know, still below the Delta Dental benchmark. So we know that a lot of individuals in this plan will continue to use Premier uh, network dentists. And so, you know, important to, you know, overall just promote the use of dental services, whether it be, you know, a PPO network dentist or Premier. You know, the good news is 95% of services are delivered uh, within the network environment in Delta Dental. Uh, as we've shown you in past years, distribution of network utilization does vary substantially uh, by county. This gives you the listing of uh, procedure counts by county. So certainly, you know, more services delivered Can you in San Francisco. Can you for a moment, oh, sure. uh, Mike, uh, for the uh, clarity to the public, we're really on page 11 of this presentation as he's beginning to discuss at this time. So if you can go back to that, uh, there you go, right there. That's what should be described and we were, uh, they were ahead of us on a couple of others, so I wanted to pause it here. So please, continue. This is the. You need to. Page eleven, according to the printed presentation, is the is the county description that you were just talking about. Correct. Yeah, well, just one second.
Okay, something. Okay, give us one second. We're, I think we had the inaccurate presentation. So that we're not talking about something that the public says that they haven't mm -hmm. seen or what have you. So we do need to try to use the. Mike, can you speculate on why <clears throat> premier dentists are utilized so much more than PPO dentists in San Francisco? Is it the availability of the dentists or there's some other reason? Yeah, in my view, it's the, it's the distribution of dentists and, you know, kind of a function of which dentists are, have been premier only yeah. over the years. Um, you know, when new dentists are brought to, into the network by Delta Dental. So, you know, recruiting a brand new dentist, let's say to the Bay Area into the Delta Dental network, um, they are in both the PPO and the premier. Um, but, you know, certainly there are many longtime dentists here in the Bay Area that are premier only. Um, I think in your packet, unfortunately, we don't have this in the um, online version. Um, although I believe this is posted in the March 9th version. Yes. So perhaps if we can <laughs> go a, back to find that's the all right. Let's not spend more time on it. Just speak to it if you would. Thank you. Um, you know, there is a, a fairly uh, disparate distribution between PPO, Premier, and non-contracted mm -hmm. in utilization of the active employee PPO members uh, by county. And I think that is uh, next slide. It's the next slide. Okay. There you are, right there. Perfect. Okay, so um, what we're referencing online is the March 9th version of this material. Right. So everybody knows, uh, which was not intended to change for today. So this is same as what was intended for today. Um, but you can see here, you know, as, a, as an example, um, you know, Solano County, Sacramento County, San Joaquin County, um, over 60% of the total service utilization is through PPO dentists. Exactly. Um, on the other hand, you have counties, um, you know, San Francisco at 30%, um, you know, Sonoma at 38%, uh, where you have a, you know, Marin at 40, San Mateo 39, you know, different counties have different levels of PPO versus Premier. That is likely just a function of the proportion of dentists who would be PPO versus Premier only um, in those locales. That would be my sense. We went over this whole Delta thing a couple of years ago pretty in-depth yeah. and uh, why people aren't going to PPO dentists. And it's good reason probably. So, um, and there were examples sent to us, letters and stuff. So I, I don't think there's any question why people are not going to, except in these other counties where you don't have any options. All right. Thank you for that. And I'm interesting too, one, only one in three have a, have have has a cleaning, which is still. We we'd kind of encourage Delta Dental to try to get more information out to people on that, but I don't ever see anything in the mail from Delta Dental that says, you know, should be something scary. Show somebody without any teeth and somebody <laughs> with teeth or something. But I believe they are. Uh, if I, I don't see anything correct. like that. But weren't they supposed to be? I think 
I believe in one of the discussions we were talking about some mechanism to follow up with individuals at the time of their first appointment that they would get a reminder from their dentist. Is that? But they do. A lot of them do, they used to do. I don't know. I don't know if they're still doing that. They were doing that at one point, but I, I don't know if that's still happening. I'm also hearing from members who say they're not getting any information about SmileWay. And I have been contacting them through our retiree organization, and they're getting more information from us than from Delta, which surprised me. Okay. But SmileWay seems to be increasing in utilization, so we just need to keep up the information because many qualify All now right. that they've expanded. Yeah, so five conditions expanded to nine, yeah. and now there's a, um, you know, kind of a direct file feed between Kaiser and uh, Delta Dental to enhance um, awareness and identification. Thank you. Okay, so moving ahead, um, looking at the historical experience on the rate stabilization, so page 13, um, you can see this plan has been in surplus, um, you know, in general, large surpluses have built up over time, uh, which has led to recent recommendations and decisions by the Health Service Board starting in 2020 uh, to suspend policy and use, you know, one half or even as much as two thirds because of the pandemic influence for 2022 of the stabilization. So. You know, the goal ultimately is to um, certainly try to, you know, get the plan more in alignment um, between expected and actual experience and reduce the stabilization balance. So you'll see uh, total uh, projected claims versus actual, uh, quite a difference there. Um, you know, administration expense a little bit lower than expected. Uh, you know, contributions a little bit lower than expected, uh, generating a adjustment to the go forward surplus of about 5.8 million uh, generated by 2022 experience. And then that leads to uh, the rate stabilization reserve calculation on page 15, uh, where the stabilization balance was as high as 10 million um, in 20, end of 2021, again, because of favorable experience it grew to 11.1 million as of the end of 2022 so the suggestion is to apply one half of this in rate buy down uh, for 2024. so with that um, i'll close with the recommendation page uh, where there's two recommended approval actions uh, number one is to suspend the health service board approved self-funded plan stabilization policy um, for a one-time basis for the Delta Dental Active Employee PPO Plan and approve use of one half of the December 31st, 2022 Stabilization Reserve Surplus or $5,557,000, which is one half of $11,113,000 to be applied towards the buy-down across all rating tiers uh, for the Delta Dental Active Employee PPO Plan for plan year 2022. 24, um, President Scott. Uh, you've heard the recommendation. Is there, are there any other questions from the board? Hearing I'd like to make a comment. Uh, is Delta, are the Delta Dental people here? Yes. I would like to uh, request that they, if you could come up, yeah, maybe please. Uh, thank you, Mike, for standing aside. 
We have a representative from Delta Dental, and her name is? Valerie Lane. Can you thank Can you, you Valerie, for mm -hmm. bringing that down? Yes. Mr. Yeah, Forrest. I would just like to make a request that you do more outreach, for, considering that only one in three have cleaning, and actually it's free for people, mm -hmm. and especially for actives, maybe. This is for actives, in fact, but for retirees as well. But there really has to be more you know, something in the mail that says, you know, this is what's going to, you know, something like I say, something like scary, you know, that is what happens when you're Sure. I do believe that we have preventive care reminders turned on for your folks. So we are sending every, um, every seven months, we are reminding people to make their appointments if they're registered with us. So we are doing that today. You're sending that in the mail? That is going through emails to individuals. Email? Mm -hmm. and And snail mail? Not snail mail, email. email. Yeah. 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 Well, for actives, for retirees, you probably should but, uh, yeah. but once, this, every seven months, did you say? Well, what we do is we look back, and if they haven't had their cleaning in seven months, we send them a reminder. Yeah. I should, should be at least that much. I, it's Are those mostly work emails? No, they're the emails that the individual has uh, enrolled with us. So if... You are passing emails on your file. We're using those unless that person has given us a different email. Right. Okay. Uh, and the reason I mention that for actives is that sometimes actives are on leave or they're not, or they've changed jobs or something has happened. And I think getting some personal emails might be more effective than the work email. Yeah. Yeah. If they've Both registered with us with their personal, then we always override and use their personal, always. Good to hear. Thank you. Yes. All right. Are there other questions or comments? If I may, um, I just Pat. wanted to add that there was a direct mail done in July of this year that Delta did to everyone. Is that for a smile away? It was no. It was a general dentistry. Get your cleanup. Get your um, cleanup. Get your teeth yeah. clean. Um, kind of message. Yes. Since you increased to nine, uh, the the types of conditions that qualify people for Smileway. Have you sent out additional? Um, you sent out additional notices because what I hear from the members that I deal with is that they're getting nothing from Delta with regard to that, and they only got it through our publications of our employee organizations. Sure. And that's a little worrisome. Sure. So we do two things in that regard. First of all, we're getting the files from your medical carriers, so we know who those people are, so they're already automatically registered for that, and, and we gave we increased those diagnostic codes this past January, so we're getting that additional information. Then the second tier that we do is to communicate with the dentists letting them know that this benefit is now available for their members so that they can kind of have that conversation when they're talking with the member directly about their conditions and updating their medical conditions. The dentist is aware that they have an enhanced benefit now. All right. Thank okay. you. Okay. Thank you very much for your comments. We're now back to an action item on uh, number 12, and you've seen the recommendation. It's before you, and I'm ready to entertain a motion. I move that we um, uh, accept the two recommendations from AI. Number one, to suspend the uh, standard self-funded plan stabilization policy on a one-time basis, 
for the Delta Dental Active Employee PPO um, plan for 2024. And number two, approve use of one half of the December 31st, 2022, 2022 stabilization reserve surplus of 5 million five hundred and seventy five five million five hundred and fifty seven thousand um, to be applied towards a buy down across all rating tiers for the Delta Dental Active Employee PPO plan for the plan year 2024. Second. It's been properly moved and seconded that we accept the recommendation as described in the motion. Are there any comments, any further comments from board members? If not, we'll have public comment. Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote public comment. For those listening on the phone, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with our in-person public comment and no one has approached the podium. So we'll move to our remote public comment and our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have three callers on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this agenda item. We will wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Uh, thank you, and I would uh, have it noted that we did post the sign uh, that we probably should have been posting each time that we went through the public comment section, the slide, I should say, about public comment, and we'll do that at future meetings. So with it, that. Um, the slide, um, thanks to media services, is displaying it in the room, but it has been, it has um, been broadcast time. on WebEx Very for good. all of those thank you. public callers. Yeah. Okay. So thank you. So at this point, we'll have a roll call vote. Roll call vote starting with President Scott. Aye. Commissioner Fal Breslin. Aye. Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. And Commissioner Zvansky. Aye. The motion passes unanimously. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. And now we're coming to regular board business. We're no longer going to be in rates and benefits. The regular board business is item 13. Agenda item number 13 is reports and updates from contacted health plan representatives. This is the discussion item, and I believe we have one representative uh, wanting to give an update. <coughs> These are reports and updates from health plan representatives. So anyone in the room that is representing your health plan, please come to the mic at this time. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Lori Cumming, and I'm the Director of Sales and Account Management for HealthNet. And it's great to be here today. I've recently taken over the oversight of the San Francisco Health Services um, account along with my um, colleague Fred Reyes, which you may have met before. I'm looking forward to working with you all again. I don't know, there's a couple of you I recognize that um, when you had HealthNet previously, I had the honor of working with you. So I'm glad to be back and look forward to providing updates going forward. Thank you for uh, introducing your, reintroducing yourself and welcome back. Thank you. Thank Good you. to be back. Are there other 
health plan representatives here that wish to make a comment of any kind? Pausing. <laughs> None? No. Okay. No other health plan representatives are present. Uh, we, out of obligation, will have public comment at this time. Thank you, President Scott. Our public comment is now um, open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first, and then remote public comment. For those callers listening in, press star 3 to be added to the public comment queue. For those listening or watching on WebEx, click the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with our in-person public comment. And no one has approached the podium, so we'll move to our remote public comment, and our moderator will let us know if there are any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have three callers on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to be added to public comment. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you, and we are now going to go to a governance committee matter that will require us to vote on whether we're going into uh, closed session, et cetera, as printed in the agenda. And with that, I will turn it over to my distinguished colleague, the chair of the governance committee, an immediate past president of this board, <laughs> Dr. Stephen Follisby. Uh, thank you very much. So agenda item number 14, uh, do you want to call it? Yes. Agenda item number 14 is vote on whether to hold closed session to review and approve the 2020, excuse me, it's wrong on the agenda, the 2022 annual employee performance evaluation draft report. This is an action item and will be presented by the Governance Committee Chair, Follinsby. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, just as a reminder, the Governance Committee met in February of 2023. We were unable to deal with this item in closed session of the Governance Committee because we didn't have the uh, IT support in order to do so. And so uh, today's uh, board meeting will be, in fact, um, acting um, as the entire um, Governance Committee and board in this matter. Um, and so with that, I would uh, urge a, a recommend that we um, uh, entertain a motion to go into closed session to deal with this performance evaluation and report. I'll um, move that uh, the board now go into closed session uh, for purposes stated with regard to the governance committee uh, actions. Thank you. I second the motion. It's been moved and seconded. Um, we go into closed session on this item. Are there any discussion from board members? Hearing none, we can open this up for public comment. Thank you, uh, Chair Follinsby. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote public comment. For those listening on the phone, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll move to in-person public comment first. And no one has approached the podium. We'll move to our remote public comment, and our moderator will let us know if there are any callers in the public comment queue at this time. 
Board Secretary, we have three callers on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this agenda item. We will wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you very much. So it's been moved and seconded that the Health Service Board uh, move into closed session to review and approve the annual employee performance evaluation draft report. Call for a roll call vote. Roll call vote, starting with President Scott. Aye. Commissioner Breslin. Aye. Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. And Commissioner Zvansky. Aye. It's approved unanimously. And with that, uh, this agenda item is closed and we'll now go into closed session. So we're gonna ask everyone to, um, unless they're involved in this uh, issue, to leave the room. Just for your information, if you look at the rest of the agenda, mm -hmm. after the governance, after the board reconvenes in open session, the two items are sort of pro forma regarding the actions of the, of the um, uh, closed session um, deliberations and then adjournment. And so there are no other agenda items uh, of merit beyond that, um, but feel free to come back. <laughs> we thank you all for coming today.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. Chair Follinsby, we're now in open session. Uh, we'll now reconvene the meeting from closed session, and I'll turn it over to Chair Follinsby from the Governance Committee. I guess we, we should probably have a roll call um, attendance. Okay, Chair Follinsby, a roll call starting with President Scott. Present. Commissioner Breslin. Present. Commissioner Follinsby. Present. And Commissioner Zvansky. Present. With that, we have quorum. Okay, thank you very much. So the next item is item number 16. 
Agenda item number 16, possible report on action taken in closed session. This is government code section 54957.1 and San Francisco administrative code section 67.12B. This is an action item and will be presented by Governance Committee Chair Follinsby. So I'll entertain a motion to um, regarding a possible action on the closed session. I move that we not report on our actions in closed session under the appropriate uh, administrative code section. Second. So moved and seconded. Any uh, discussion? And with that, we'll open it up to public comment. Okay, one moment, please. I'm just making sure that all of our video is getting pumped through to our public. Don't you have to open the doors? Oh, yeah. That's true. I'm going to pause. Yes, and I'll go do that. We need to take the sign down and open the doors, yeah. Correct, yes, thank you. Video is now on in WebEx. Thank you from the technical side. So we are gonna pause. I know the public has been able to hear, but we do wanna open the doors for anyone who may be waiting outside. I guess. So the doors to the chambers have been open. No one was waiting outside. Okay. And so, is there any um, reference? To bring everyone up to. to oh, oh, I'm sorry. That should we do anything? Um, maybe do we want to redo just to be, because we have the doors closed, all the, the action item again. Oh, uh, I can review it. Do yeah, I need so to? Could review it. Okay. Could review it. So it's been moved and uh, seconded that we not disclose uh, any of the actions from the closed session um, uh, of the Health Service Board under uh, Government uh, Code Section 54957.1 and the San Francisco Administrative Code as, li as listed. And with that, there's been no discussion from the board members and then I'll open it up to public discussion. Thank you. Committee Chair Follinsby. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SGOV TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote public comment. For those callers on the line listening in, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue at this time. We'll start with our in-person public comment and no one has approached the podium, so we'll move to our remote public comment and our moderator will Notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have two callers on the phone line. Zero callers have entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to enter public comment for this specific agenda item. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you very much. So it has been uh, moved and seconded that we take no action based on the, uh, no, yeah. We not disclose the action um, of the Health Service Board in closed session. 
um, under the um, government and administrative codes as listed. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Is that okay? Aye. We should take a roll. roll call. Take a roll call vote. Thank you. Um, we'll start with President Scott. Aye. And Commissioner Breslin. Aye. And Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. And Commissioner Zvansky. Aye. It's, it's uh, passed unanimously. So now we'll go to agenda item number 17. Thank you. Agenda item number 17, vote to elect whether to disclose any or all discussion held in closed session. This is in San Francisco Administrative Code Section 65.12a. It's an action item and will be presented by Governance Committee Chair Ballinsby. Thank you very much. So not entertain a motion on whether to disclose any uh, or all of the discussion um, of the Health Service Board held in closed session um, today, March 23rd, 2023. I move that we not disclose any of the discussion held in closed session by the Governance Committee of the Health Service Board under the appropriate administrative code as listed. Second. Any discussion? Hearing none, we'll go ahead and open this up for public comment. Thank you. I'll, I'll be posting our instructions. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote public comment. For those listening in on the phone, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching on the meeting on the WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with our in-person public comment and no one has approached the podium, so we'll move to our remote public comment. Our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, there are no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no callers in the queue, public comment is now closed. Thank you very much. We'll now call for a roll call vote on the motion um, not to disclose any uh, or all the discussion held in the closed session of the Health Service Board and Governance Committee um, uh, in today's uh, closed session of March 23rd, 2023. So a roll call vote starting with President Scott. Aye. Commissioner Breslin? Aye. Commissioner Follinsby? Aye. And Commissioner Zvansky? Aye. It passes unanimously, so I'll now turn this back over to President Scott. Thank you. This meeting of the Health Service Board for March is stands in adjournment. There you go. Before, before, Thank you, President Scott. Adjournment at 3.45 p.m. Thank you for your Thank cooperation. You.